I'm Rob. And I'm Nate. And welcome back to Rob and Nate Record a Podcast, our, the concluding week of our Adam Sandler theme month, in which we watched the 2019 film Uncut Gems. Do you want to lead us off with first reactions? I hated it. Did you? I hated it. Did you? I did. Yeah? My feeling towards it would be best described as hate. What didn't you like? That's too big a question. What did I like would be the better question. Okay. Which would be the last 20 minutes. But, you know, it's a cherry on top of a turd Sunday. It wasn't enough. So this movie is directed by the Softy brothers, Benny and Josh Softy, who are best known probably for a, their previous film, Good Times, from 2017. There's a Good Times reference in this film, but for the 1970s sitcom Good Times. There's a couple different references to different things in this one. Mm-hmm. I think you took it as a 1970s reference, but I think it actually was a reference to the 2017, and we'll get into that in a okay. minute. The movie stars Adam Sandler as Howard Ratner, Julia Fox as Julia De Fiore, Adina Menzel as Deanna Ratner. It also has Lakeith Stanfield. All sorts of all sorts of challenges for pronunciation is what it has. I'm just looking over at this cast like, oh. Kevin Garnett, Eric Bogosian as Arno, and Judd Hirsch as Gooey. It's his credited role. It's like his father-in-law or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, oh, and John Amos, who we'll get to later Yeah, on. good times. Yeah. And the plot center centers around Adam Sandler, who is a diamond broker but also like a jeweler in the diamond district but also just a terrible gambler who has these terrible gambling problems and every time he has an opportunity in this film to straighten things out and kind of start working things he doubles down on his terrible bets and loses right up until close to the end of the movie we are a spoiler cast and it looks like things are going to finally turn his way and his terrible luck continues and He's killed at the end of the movie. Yeah, there's there's questions about the way that the like what happens after the end of this film, but yeah, there's I don't know what what do you want to talk about about this film? I guess if you hate it, probably not too much. No, I I just it was it was torture. It was it was horrible. It was it was painful. I really I hated it. It was I did not enjoy watching this movie again. The last little bit where there where there are they going to make this bet work? Is this you know, going to work out at the end. There was something to be said about for that, but I mean, there's so much that came before it that I just was just a drag. I, this movie, and we're skipping order a little bit. This movie is incredibly well received. It has a 92 percent on Rotten Tomatoes, but it has a 52 percent audience score. Adam Sandler does some. I mean, he does quite the performance here. So it's a very strong. Which was our motivating strategy. reason to watch yeah. this? Like this has been. His performance has been talked about since the film came out. Yeah, we've talked about watching this for a long time. I was scanning through the little uh, excerpts from the reviews on the Rotten Tomatoes. There was somebody that said, it's like, yeah, he does a good job, but really, how big of a leap is it for me to buy Adam Sandler as an a-hole? It's like, it is, he's done versions of this, so he does do a good job about, about that. But I just found the whole thing just unpleasant and uh, grating and... The tension, and there's another review that talked about how you're supposed to be able to impart that your characters are under tension without making the audience miserable. I was miserable. How much of that do you think was preconceived expectation? I was thinking this would be good because of its overwhelming critical reception. Well, and we'll get into more of that, I think, a little bit later on. 
the movie has kind of a weird opening. It opens on a, on a Ethiopian mine and the discovery of this gemstone. And then it goes through the gemstone into this weird transition that concludes in a colonoscopy. Yeah. It's a very good metaphor for the film. It promises us a gem. It delivers a colonoscopy. Okay. But then the movie just goes straight into confrontations about Howard's debts and his different things. And also this, you know, this, this girlfriend that he has on the side. I was surprised by how many confrontations in this movie were in this movie. I mean, it seems like the movie just goes from one confrontation yeah. to another. He first has a confrontation with his girlfriend well, he has a confrontation about his gambling debts. Then it goes to a confrontation with his girlfriend. Then he takes this necklace that was at his girlfriend's place that's supposed to be going to the weekend or something or belong to the weekend. And he, he pawns it or sells it and then places a bet with it and immediately has confrontations at back, you know, goes back to his store and immediately has additional confrontations at his store. That's when he meets the Kevin Garnett character as Kevin Garnett. And I wasn't, just I'm this, not a basketball guy, so I was not, I thought at first this is a real guy and then towards the end I thought this is an, a fake character but you're telling me this is a real Kevin Garnett's a real yes uh, won multiple NBA championships oh, okay. actually played for the, the Boston okay. Celtics it was originally supposed to be a different basketball player in this movie mm-hmm. and when we get into the trivia I'll talk about that but it was supposed to be a basketball player from Ethiopia but they had delays in shooting mm-hmm. and so it was then going to conflict with the NBA schedule mm-hmm. so they had to change who they were going to have to not have a current NBA player in the movie, mm. so so is that part of why there's a subplot about how he is turning 36 and he's late and he should re- retire? So is this kind of like a, if he hadn't retired kind of storyline? No, no. Garnett's just the the person that fills that role. Mm. That could have been filled by myriad other people, um, but Garnett ends up convincing Howard, who has just gotten a hold of this gemstone, to let him take it. But Garnett is attributing supernatural powers to the gemstone and he has a tremendous game the night that he has the stone and then we follow all of these difficulties of Howard trying to get the stone back and additional confrontations that revolve around that he has been given Kevin Garnett's championship ring as collateral for the stone and he goes and immediately pawns it and takes the money from the pawn and places it on a bet a bet that he would have won and would have paid off all of his debts except for as we find out later, one of his bookies stepped in and stopped the bet. Well, that guy is his brother-in-law. Yeah, Arno. Mm. Yeah. Which leads to a very tense, as if there's film, scenes in this film that aren't tense, Passover dinner scene. Yeah. There's a, yeah, there's a, again, there's a lot of confrontations in this movie. As things progress, there's the scene where they're at his daughter's play, and the, the goons for his bookie, Arno's goons, are in the school auditorium. And so he leaves the auditorium to try and get the confrontation over with away from his family. Uh, He's eventually caught, you know, he flees and is eventually caught and is left naked in the trunk of his car. He has to call his wife who has to leave the play to come get him out of the trunk. He's apparently got some clothes left in the trunk. So he's able to get dressed and come back in and join his family. Then it goes to a concert for the weekend who is actually a, a, a performing artist. I did that one. This is both the weekend and Kevin Garnett's film debuts. Mm-hmm. And when oh, he they gets debuted there, on the same weekend. Oh, there you go. When they get there, Harold uh, Howard's girlfriend is there flirting with the weekend. Probably going to be progressing beyond that, but then there's yet another confrontation with Howard and the weekend. He's trying to break up with the girlfriend at this time. 
he eventually gets the stone back and is going well oh, before that he goes to, to the auctioneer to try and get the stone appraised get everything set up for the auction has a confrontation with his girlfriend on the way there and then it goes to the passover dinner where we first meet jed hirsch who i was kind of surprised to see in the movie mm-hmm. happy to see him but a little surprised to see him and then he does eventually get the stone takes it to the auction place the appraisal comes back less than he's expecting and so there's more confrontations before the auction in the lead up to the auction he's convinced his father-in-law played by jed hirsch to pump up the bid yeah against kevin garnett it fails his father-in-law ends up having to buy the the stone he then makes arrangements for kevin garnett to buy the stone they're at the jewelry store he's also called arno to pay off his debts with the money he's going to get from kevin garnett and yet when he's at the jewelry store talking to kevin garnett he comes up with a plan to bet the entirety of what he's just gotten from Kevin Garnett on the next basketball game. Has his girlfriend leave the store, passes her the money, you know, between windows of the build, the same building. She goes to a casino, places the bet, and this is what leads to the final 20 minutes, the part you actually liked. Arno goes to leave the store. They lock in between the two security doors Which with his guns. Yeah. yeah. But the door doesn't uh, work the way it's supposed to, and so... Yeah. Sandler is able to use that to buy him time so to, to wait out the game because he's confident, because he's got a feeling that they're going to win, and the bet that he is placing the parlay yep. would net him over a million dollars. $1.29 million. Yeah. And, of course, he wins. His girlfriend collects the money, and as he lets Arno and his goons out of the out from between the security doors, one of the goons comes in and just immediately kills him. Which caught me off guard. I didn't see that coming. And then eventually when Arno's trying to escape, they also kill Arno, which I wasn't sure made total sense. But, you know, especially where they end up not getting the girlfriend. So where does the money go from here? But that's my only other question remaining from this film. And the conflict that was not really addressed here is the fact that Howard is going through a separation, is about to go through a separation with his wife, played by Adina Menzel, uh, but the plan was to wait until after Passover to make that announcement to the kids and to the rest of the family. And that's unresolved. I mean, it, the movie ends on Adina Menzel, or not ends on, but one of the closing scenes is Adina Menzel. He's called her because he thinks that they're going to do something to his family, has told her to leave with the kids and go to a friend's house. And she's at the friend's house telling the friend she's going to call the police yeah. because things are just going too odd. And the kids are watching the basketball game, and they're ecstatic over the results, not knowing that their father has this massive bet on it. It yeah. just was a good game. But, yeah, it's, yeah. What did you think of this film? I actually enjoyed it. I thought it built the tension. I didn't like the beginning, probably half hour of it. I just thought it was excessive and gratuitous. But then I thought it built the tension very well. I appreciated some of the characters. Some of the plot complications were unnecessary, but I thought it built the tension well, and I did not see the ending coming. Well, it knows how to make tension. That's about all it knows how to do. We've talked before about how I need somebody to latch on to. There was nobody for me to care about in this film. That's just because you don't like Adam Sandler. You're predisposed against him. You know, I'd have been open to him or somebody, but there was really nobody that was really that likable. I mean, Well, if you don't latch on to... He wasn't... If you, don't la- if you don't latch on to Sandler in this movie, you don't latch on to anyone. Because yeah. there's nobody else that's on the screen enough. I liked Julia Fox more towards the end of the film, when she was in that, that kind of sympathetic and being really supportive of, of him. Yeah. But, I mean, everybody was, was shrill and unpleasant. 
and it was just unrelenting. There was really no break in it. Yeah, that's. That, I mean, that is a very valid criticism. It was, like I said, I felt like there was way too much, too many confrontations built into the film. And even the ending, the the, the surprise ending, had a sense of derivative. I mean, they had to do something. They had to do something to break what they had been doing before to break that steady trajectory and what else could they do it's like this film can't end with him getting getting away with it well they could have waited till the money got back because now the guys who just killed up both of them and are stealing all of his jewelry at the end of the movie what are they they're not getting anything you enjoyed watching this movie yeah you weren't miserable no i was miserable i wondered i, I, I was sitting back there one... quiet i was not reacting i was like i'm not I knew you were going to go one way or the other. I even wrote in my notes that Nate is not knocking this movie, which I either knew meant you were totally hating it or that you were actually enjoying yourself. Mm-hmm. But I wasn't sure which way you were going. Yeah. We didn't converse at all between... And this is a long movie. This yeah. is a two-hour, 15-minute long movie. Yeah. And the movie... I mean, and it really, feels longer. Really, the movie is entirely Adam about Adam Sandler's performance. Yeah. And um, this is one of those where you basically have almost, almost entirely one guy on the screen almost the entire movie. There's very few, if any, scenes without Adam Sandler in it. He does a good job of being a total a-hole. Yeah. But he's still a total a-hole, and he's not pleasant to watch. Yeah. On IMDb, this movie has an aggregate score of 7.4 stars. Surprises which me. counters your the uh, 52% on Rotten Tomatoes. Mm-hmm. What did you say the Metacritic score was? Uh, on? I didn't catch that. On IMDb, it lists the Metacritic score as 91. Mm-hmm. So again, as you mentioned, it was well-received. In terms of critics' response... 7.4 stars on IMDb is not great, but it's not bad. Yeah. So do you have any idea how this did in the box office? Well, this would have come out in late 2019. Yeah. Not great, but not horrible. It had an estimated budget of $19 million, okay. and it had a worldwide gross of a little over $50 million. Oh, Wow, that's good. Yeah. So it made a decent chunk of money. Some trivia that I'm not sure if Nate is going to find interesting or not since he didn't enjoy the movie. The film was inspired by the Safdie brothers' father's time working as a salesman or runner for a man also named Howard in the Manhattan Diamond District. The Safdie brothers and their father are also Jewish and avid basketball fans. I wouldn't have guessed. These guys, these brothers wanted to make the film for several years prior to making Good Time in 2017, but could not get the project off the ground due to lack of financing. During that waiting period, Robert Pattinson contacted the brothers via email and said he was interested to work with them after he randomly discovered the poster of actress Ariel Holmes covered in pink neon light from their previous film, Heaven Knows What, from 2014. After they met with Pattinson, liking him and being inspired with his, by his energy, the Safties spontaneously started to write Good Time from 2017 with Robert Pattinson in mind. After the film's premiere in Cannes and the following critical success, the brothers found themselves getting calls from Hollywood executives with offers including big-budget superhero movie, which they declined and instead secured financing for this film. Adam Sandler wore false teeth throughout the movie, as well as a fake dark mole on his right cheek. The Safdie brothers also insisted on shooting this film on 35mm, something that is very unusual in this day and age, and they actually took a pay cut in order to be able to do that. It was Adam Sandler's wife who convinced him to take this role after reading the screenplay and having watched Good Time from 2017. At one point, Howard tells his son that his neighbor acted in Good Times from 1974 and Coming to America in 1988. 
When they knock on the door, it is answered by John Amos, who was indeed the father in good times and the father of Eddie Murphy's love interest in Coming to America. Interestingly enough, the Safdie brothers made a film called Good Time 2017, which Adam, inspired Adam Sandler to take the role in the film. I thought I had read previously that Amos had a role in the 2017 film, but I was mistaken. Kevin Garnett was cast as the NBA star only after The weekend was cast in the film as himself. The Safties looked for NBA players who were active at the same time that The weekend was a public person performing shows in New York City in 2012. Garnett was cast for his performance in the 2012 NBA playoffs that matched the plot of the film. One great game, one subpar game, and another great game. All in a relatively short period of time, games 5-7 through seven in the 2012 Eastern Conference semifinals. And all in close proximity to New York City. The games were played in Boston and Philadelphia. Garnett had also previously ex- expressed an interest in acting. This is socialite Julia Fox's first film role. Oh, she's a socialite. Yes. She was approached by the Safdie brothers based on her high-profile New York City social life. The film was originally supposed to take place in the then-present day with NBA star Joel Embiid, playing the role of of the basketball player obsessed with the Black Opal. When filming for the movie was moved to the fall during the NBA season, using an active player, NBA player became out of the question. Oh. This film has a lot of gratuitous language. Mm-hmm. Was that anything that was off-putting to you or that you noticed? Not, not particularly. Maybe it was really more the tone than, than the yeah. words. So this movie uses the F word 560 times. Wow. Any guesses where that places it in the most uses of the F word in films? Oh, top four. It is fourth in ah. the highest, highest in film history. Mm. Do you know which movies it's behind? Oh, or any of them? They'll be entertaining. Swearnet, the movie, <laughs> used the F word 935 times. A documentary on the, on the word with 857 uses. Mm. And then the one that you may or may not be surprised by, The Wolf of Wall Street, which uses the F word 569 times. Based on the film's runtime of 135 minutes, the word appears an average of 4.15 times per minute in the film. How did I not notice that? I must have developed some kind of immunity. It just slid off. So one of the things that's a little bit interesting about this film, Adam Sandler's base salary for acting in the movie is usually $20 million, mm-hmm. but the entire film's budget was $19 million. Yeah. Daniel Day-Lewis has uh, repeatedly praised Adam Sandler's performance in this uh-huh. film. This was Adam Sandler's first live-action role in a theatrical film since Pixels back in 2015. All of his other live-action film roles went straight to Netflix. This is part of the Criterion Collection. And so is Armageddon. Yeah. Any other closing thoughts on this film? I really didn't like it. Yeah? It was was unpleasant. I'm going to go ahead and rate this movie 7 out of 10. I might have given it 8 if it wasn't for... The like excessive confrontation and excessive language, but I'm going to give it seven out of ten on the ten star scale, and I'll give it three out of four on the four star scale. I'm giving it one and three. That's pretty close to some of the lowest ratings you've ever yeah. given. So, yeah, I think that wraps up our conversation on this movie, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. Oh, we'll be talking about it off. off of course. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. However, now we have to wrap up our Adam Sandler theme month. Mm-hmm. Part of the reason for this month is just because Nate has not seen a lot of Adam Sandler films and kind of has despised Adam Sandler. Has this month done anything to change your mind? 
I probably am marginally better disposed to him now. This wasn't the, the note to end on, though, if that was the goal. I thought about substituting it for hus- the hustle yeah. on Netflix. I was surprised that I, I I was coming into this thinking I would like it. This is better rated than the hustle on mm. on IMDb. Has a higher rating. Yeah, just really rubbed me the wrong way. So our four films this month were Happy Gilmore, Punch Drunk, Punch Drunk Love, Fifty First Dates, and Uncut Gems. Nate, I'm I know what will be your bottom. Yeah. But how would you, how do you rate the others? Going up. So number four is Uncut Gems. Number three is Happy Gilmore. Number two is Fifty First Dates. Number one is Punch Drunk Love. Stuck with that one, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would actually put Fifty First Dates on the top. I'm torn between this and Punch Drunk Love second and third. You could make them somewhat interchangeable. And then Happy Gilmore fourth, actually. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's a different era of Adam Sandler acting. He hasn't done that in a long time. And he's done, I mean, he still does goofy stuff, but usually it's slightly higher quality than Happy Gilmore is. But yeah. What other thoughts do you have on Adam Sandler theme month? I think he's talented. I mean, he gives a good performance. He gives a good performance in what I felt to be a bad film. And even I even have to asterisk that because, I mean, he does good stuff. He's stretching himself, which I've criticized him for avoiding doing. But a little would have gone a long way. Like, this film, if, you, if this film had been trimmed down to close to 100 minutes, and if it had just kind of added something likable about him or toned down some of the, the this film was just so annoying if it had been less annoying then that performance would have shined through for me more and I probably would have liked the film more and again I, I did like the ending I had thought about maybe upping it to one and a half but I'm like no I just can't there's too much baggage before it can't, it can't be redeemed that with the play very late in the game yeah so Adam Sandler marginal increase in, in feelings towards the end of the month. Is there another Adam Sandler film that's out that you haven't seen that you might consider seeing after this? Not that comes off the top of my head. I mean, the one I guess the one that comes to mind just because I haven't seen it and it's you know been around forever would be Billy Madison, but I don't suspect I'd like it. I actually don't think you'd like Billy Madison. I think the reason I showed you Happy Gilmore, as we've discussed previously, is because I felt like it was the better of the two and the two, the one of the two that you would like. Mm. Billy Madison is more potty humor, juvenile humor, mm. even more than Happy Gilmore was. Maybe so. I kind of want to see Airheads from the 90s with Brendan Fraser and Steve Buscemi, which I also don't anticipate will be good, but I like the, the weirdness of that cast. Yeah. Again, I think the part of what makes Adam Sandler as popular as he is and allows him to cat- command the money that he does uh, in some of these films is just the fact that most of his films have maintained a PG-13 rating or films that he has any involvement in the production in. The only ones that have had R ratings have been ones that you know he, he acts in, but he doesn't have con- any control over. So he decided to make up for that disparity with this one movie. I don't know. <laughs> Again, his, his wife is the one that convinced him to take this role. This is a this is an interesting movie in terms of like recommendation. Who would I recommend this movie to? Because of its it's a hard R. Because of the violence, uh, the language, those types of things. Not a ton of people I'd recommend it to, but if you have an interest to to see it or predisposition to see it and aren't bothered by those two things, then yeah, go ahead Almost and watch it. Almost no sexual content, which I kind of anticipated there would be in this. But yeah, very little at all. Mm-hmm. Anyone you'd recommend this movie to, Nate? 
No, not really. Not off the top of I didn't head. think so. All right. Well, I'm Rob. I'd be Nate. And this is Rob and Nate Record a Podcast. You ready? I'm ready. Do I need to adjust the volumes? I guess I should probably check on that. Can you give me just a little bit more? A little bit more. Okay. I think we are pretty well good. Good times it was not. Are you are you feeling the need for revenge now, or did it, did the rest of the Adam Sandler theme month hold over? I liked um, I liked two of two of three, Fifty First Dates, and of course Punch Drunk Love, and I thought um, I didn't I didn't hate Happy Gilmore. But well, I now like you it. can say you've seen it too. Yeah, yeah. But I really hated this movie. Yeah, I'm a little bit surprised you hated it as much as you did. Yelling and. Somebody described it on IMDb as like being stuck in a taxi with a particularly obnoxious New Yorker for two hours. And like, yeah, I could relate to that. <laughs>